Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Shackman. During our last great cultural and political upheaval in the 60s, music provided the soundtrack. Rock stars were not in Silicon Valley, but in the recording studios of Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Nashville. When Jerry Brown was governor of California the first time back in the late 70s, he talked about more wisdom being in the songs of the day than in all the advisors he had in Sacramento. Historically, our culture has been shaped by music, and music has shaped the culture. Additionally, music like sports in many ways has been a way out of poverty for so many. And few personify all of this better, particularly for many women, than Dolly Parton. And no one captures this ethos better than my guest, Sarah Smarsh, in her new book, She Come By It Natural. Sarah Smarsh is a journalist who has reported for the New York Times and The Guardian. Her previous book, Heartland, a memoir of working hard and being broke in the richest country on earth, was a finalist for the National Book Award. And it is my pleasure to welcome Sarah Smarsh back to this program to talk about She Come By It Natural, Dolly Parton and the woman who lived her songs. Sarah Smarsh, welcome back to the program. Hi, Jeff. I'm so glad to be back with you. Well, it's a delight to have you here. What is it about this time that that has created this kind of Dolly Parton moment that we're seeing? <laughs> there, there is a moment, isn't there? And uh, I, I believe that it has everything to do with our uh, current political and social realities, which, of course, are quite fraught and fractious and divided. And um, Dolly Parton, while she has often been a quite progressive force in a, a cultural sense in the, the um, decisions she makes and the ideas that she embraces and the um, acceptance that she signals, she's nonetheless a, a, a somewhat a political figure, at least in her, you know, overt approach to current events. And that has resulted in a very diverse uh, fan base and a sort of um, universal, universally beloved icon who is uniquely suited, uh, I think, to, to provide some sense of unity or wholeness uh, and, and, and a balm, really, at a moment when so many people are, are hurting and, and maybe even fearful of their neighbors. And to what extent, and I know the two are, are inexorably linked, but talk about the difference between what she represents in terms of her music and, and how that's evolved over, what, 40 plus 50, 40 years, how that's evolved and, and her persona and, and what that represents. Well, they certainly um, are intertwined, but you're right that they, they are um, sort of separate discussions. So, so to begin with the music, um, Dolly Parton, and this might surprise some listeners if, if they don't know her artistry well, uh, considers herself a writer foremost before a singer, before a performer, before uh, you know a, a business mogul, which, which she is, certainly is that um, uh, today. Uh, she's a writer first, and she's quite a quite prolific songwriter. She's famously written over 3,000, published over 3,000 songs um, by her own pen uh, over the decades. Many of those have been recorded by other artists. And um, and that music, that, that uh, storytelling is very much about home. It's about the place she comes from, and that place happens to be a poor hauler in East Tennessee. And her rural, humble origins are sort of this touchstone that she returns to again and again in this, um, you know, kind of eternal <laughs> um, uh, coming home, if you will, in the uh, the characters that she creates, the 
um, the ideas that she conveys and the um, just the even the the sensory experience of some of her early songwriting in particular is very much um, it's very earthy. Um, it is of nature, but it's also telling stories about the plight of women in a man's world and specifically poor rural women in a man's world. And her early songs were actually uh, quite dark in their messages about society, even as they were, um, you, you know, exalting and loving the concept of the place she comes from. Now, so, so, so there are a lot of layers to, to what's going on in her music. In more recent years, her, her songs tend to be, uh, they're, they're kind of like these beacons of uh, positivity and, and they're bright and shiny. But if you go back through her canon, um, that's a really more modern phenomenon. Um, now, her persona is, is a quite different thing. And this is what even the lay Dolly Parton fan or listener would be more familiar with is the um, the big blonde wig and the, uh, you know, very made up face and um, famously um, surgically altered body and uh, big curves and tight clothes and sequins and uh, really a, a, a physical uh, caricature almost is intentionally created by her and she has spoken about this to represent in some sense what some uh, realms of our society would deem trashy quote unquote and this is her gesture, I think, also to the place that she comes from to say, you know, I, I made enough money to class myself up a long time ago, but I'm actually going to double down and, 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 um, and, and continue to kind of embody the tropes and stereotypes about the place I come from so that when people um, encounter my genius, they will be forced to reconcile the truth of the, the depth of who I am as an artist with the ideas that they have about people and specifically women where I come from. And to what extent did she understand that as as ironic in in a classic sense? Well, I think, you know, she we would um uh I, I think we, we wouldn't do well to to underestimate her by, by thinking she didn't know what she was doing early on. There there are actually some some old interviews in the process of researching the book I came across where she actually makes that flat out statement. This is at a quite early point in her career, maybe like the early 70s, and and interviewers would say things like, "Well, don't you think you look kind of silly or like a joke?" and and she would say, "I well, I, I know exactly what I'm doing, and if anyone's laughing on me, the joke is actually on them because I can change what I'm doing at any time." And of course, millions and millions of dollars later, I, I would think that we should agree that she was right. <laughs> um, that. Uh, so, uh, and, and how she came by that savvy, you know, I, I think that the interesting thing about her and the rare thing about her for her generation, uh, was her very sophisticated understanding of specifically gender and to some extent class. Um, but, you know, she was basically giving what we might call a gen a gender, a self-aware gender performance long before the concept of um, gender as a social construct had entered the mainstream. And um, that might be one of the reasons, actually, she, she has an immense LGBTQ following. And, um, and uh, she, 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 she very much sees what, what she constructs in the, um, the kind of, um, I don't know, symbols of stereotypical femininity that she's sort of pushing those buttons, whether it's the 
large breasts or the high heels and so on, uh, she she always understood that that that, that was a, a construct and that, even, yes, even as society was telling women they had to do those things, she kind of subverted that power paradigm by, I don't know, turning herself into an object before the world had a chance to, if that makes sense. And um, she's actually made the comment, um, well, I just like shiny and glittery things. And, and if I'd been born a man, I would have been a drag queen. So like <laughs> she, for her, it's, um, it, there, there are so many layers to her, her understanding of gender and, and how it relates to people's um, assumptions and stereotypes. I think she she was way ahead of society uh, when she was doing that stuff, even in, in the 70s and 80s. And way ahead of herself in so many respects, because there's a sense in, in what you write that this wasn't an understanding. It may have grown, but it didn't come out of her time in Nashville. She arrived in Nashville kind of knowing this fundamentally. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, to what we we attribute that, I, I, I couldn't speculate. I can say, you know, and I write about this in the book, she uh, was raised in a, a very um, strict pa- patriarchal religious culture. Her grandfather was actually a pastor. And, um, you know, very early on at a very young age, she was precocious as as a a singer, musician, performer, yes, but but she was also, uh, you know, hormonally precocious and and intellectually precocious. And a a lot of her, um, you, you know, she would they couldn't afford makeup where she where she was and in her family so she would take burnt matchsticks and to use them as eyeliner or um, she would get feathers off the farm and put a hook through them and she pierced her own ears she's actually joked that she was like the original punk uh, punk rocker so um I, the reason I point that out is because I think that for her something innate in her was was so um uh expressive and wanted to be her own independent being in a culture that was you know constantly at odds with that personal truth now that's I, that experience is familiar to a lot of people uh what dolly parton did with that experience i think was was develop a, a, a very keen awareness of what, how she would be perceived moving through the world, where the limitations existed, where she could take those limitations and turn them into levers for her own gain. Um, and she, she's, she's a very savvy businesswoman and, uh, amid all her creative genius. So um, I, I think that, uh, like you say, she, she arrived in Nashville in 1964 already to some extent um, knowing exactly what kind of world she was stepping into, even as we might think she was some sort of naive bumpkin off the farm. Um, she, she's a clever gal. There was a sense that she took some kind, and she may not have been thinking about it this way, but there was a sense of risk that she took in the late 80s and early 90s in terms of her activity in Hollywood and, and the movies that she did. Talk about that. Well, you know, I, I'm sure that she was offered, you know, um, just endless scripts, and, and there was this um, idea that, that she could and should move in uh, in the direction of acting in Hollywood. The first movie uh, role that she accepted, I think, is is so notable and so telling about what she represents as 
um, a creator and as a woman and as a professional, and that was, of course, Nine to Five. Um, she co-starred with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Uh, and the reason in this movie that, of course, is this, uh, you know, um, a piece of fem- feminist cinema, hi- cinematic history that that um, would be hard hard to top in terms of iconic films. And the, you were brought, used the term risk, and there, there were a lot of risks that were tied up in this film. For one thing, uh, it was the brainchild and the, and the creation of producer Jane Fonda, who was really at that moment still um, widely vilified in some more conservative factions of society for uh, her anti-Vietnam War protests. Um, she was on the right side of history, of course, and that sort of sentiment has since um, shifted in terms of her regard as a public figure. But but at the time, you know, you've got Dolly Parton in Nashville and you've got, you know, Jane Fonda out in California cooking up this like really bold film that involved the original script and inv- involved the literal murder of the male boss. They ended up rewriting the script so it would be a little more palatable to audiences. The The uh, studio was afraid that the, um, the, the female characters, the female leads wouldn't be likable enough unless they reconfigured that murder as a, a, a fan- fantasy sequence of sorts. Anyway, uh, Dolly Parton plays the, um, you know, objectified and sexually harassed and, um, uh, you know, groped and and demeaned secretary to that male boss. And uh, she was in that role. Her kind of important piece of the puzzle is to, to represent the woman who is what we might term today slut shamed. So she is sort of this sexy figure in the office. The the male boss is harassing her. Her female coworkers, to some extent, are are you know there, there's animosity among them too because they assume she's getting some sort of preferential treatment and they assume that she is um, um, consensually con- conducting sexual relations with the boss. So so there's there are a lot of layers there that that previously hadn't really been uh, discussed or examined or articulated in in popular culture. And that, uh, you know, while we don't think of Dolly Parton as a political figure, all the same, the decisions that she has made, including that uh, Hollywood premiere, which, which was, a cute, of course, a big hit, um, tell us that, that she, she's always quite mindful of uh, the messages that she is endorsing and, and helping convey. And to what extent did she consider herself a feminist? Well, she has in recent years been kind of, um, you know, put on the spot by interviewers. And she, um, for the most part, has been quite averse to that term. And this is really the crux of why I ever wrote this book, because uh, I grew up in a moderately conservative environment, I would say, in a, a, you know, a small rural area in Kansas. Um, this was before the sort of far right movement that today we we associate with quote unquote red areas. Um, so it, it was more it was kind of like a Reagan era sort of I thought of myself as socially liberal. But anyway, that's just a little context for um, your listeners to, to understand that I myself as an as a very independent, ambitious teenage girl was averse to the term feminist. I'm not sure if I would have used that label for myself, even as I I absolutely believed in the uh, equality um, of, of the sexes. Uh, 
some political forces had successfully weaponized that term by the time I was a teenager in the 1990s, uh, such that my, my definition for the word was different than my definition is today as a first-generation college student who now like, straddles this class line as a, a professional in the media industry, but who nonetheless grew, grew up on a struggling wheat farm. So, you know, I, I think that um, uh, what, the way that Dolly Parton comes at this is similar, that, you know, her her relationship to the term is fraught, probably because of influences swirling around her life and her place in her home that, um, you know, have un- unfortunately given the, the idea of feminism with a capital F a bad name. Those sorts of tropes go back to, I mean, gosh, you could go back centuries, but let's say the suffrage movement at the turn of the 20th century, there would be political cartoons of like suffragettes, being presented as these hag-like, mean man-killing witches, and the kind of similar um, imagery popped up again in the 1970s during the women's liberation movement, and uh, that sort of vilification of the woman who was struggling for her uh, her own equality and independence. Unfortunately, you know, it gets into the DNA of our culture, and so nonetheless, Dolly Parton has exquisitely embodied and exemplified the tenets of feminism every step of the way in her life. And what I wanted to explore and to challenge people to consider is that while um, the movement uh, that is associated with college campuses and a class of women who is, you know, has at least the, um, you know, economic resources and civic agency to attend a march on a workday, um, while that that is an important movement to which my generation owes a great deal, all the same, um, there are women who they they might not be at the march. They might even be suspicious of the word feminism, and yet that doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't really badass feminists in their own lives. Um, and so, kind of parsing apart the 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 language and and you know the proud t-shirts that say feminist and and then to to examine fem- feminism also as an experiential wisdom those those two things don't always overlap and and I think Dolly Parton is a a good um uh figure for for examining that divide Sarah Smarsh the book is she come by it natural Dolly Parton and the woman who lived her songs Sarah I thank you so much for spending time with us Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you.